Imagine having all, guess all, of your learning challenges solved. With the Tables Learning Suite, an AI-powered LMS built for enterprise, you can tackle any challenge. You can easily create and manage content, deliver training, and measure the business impact of your programs. The Chabo is built for customers, partners, and employees alike, with dozens of integrations to embed directly in the flow of work. Check out Dechebo today at docebo.com. Welcome to C-Lab, the customer education lab, where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches, and exterminate the myths and the bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. Hey, everybody. I'm Dave Darrington. And I'm Dave Darrington. I mean, Adam Evermescu. Hey, Dave. How's You're it Adam going? Adam Evermescu. Yeah. It's going great. Hey, you know what the, what, what's the international day of today? Uh, I think today is National Meth Awareness Day. So uh, we've decided to take... <laughs> <laughs> Continue with that. That's just, that's just classic. Classic, Adam. I love it. <laughs> It is actually National Meth Awareness Day, but maybe maybe let's uh, veer. Uh, it is into into it less. Is actually, yeah, we'll we'll veer into less risky territory by saying it is it is computer. No, I'm going to watch Breaking Bad. We should watch Breaking Bad. We, you and I are kind of the Jesse Pinkman <gasps> and uh, Walter White of customer education. Though I will leave it to other <laughs> <guests. laughs> I'm not going to answer to guess who. Well, I do have a degree in chemistry, so. But yeah, and wow. and I and I like swearing <laughs> okay <laughs> on with on with the show dave what are we talking about today all right well you and i have been thinking a lot about where we are in this moment of time so for all of you time travelers out there let's put this in context we're in late 2022 we've survived a um covid we have gone through so many different crazy things in this decade um, political, international, otherwise. And here we are looking at, I don't, I hazard to say the word recession, but we have some kind of a global economic turndown that's affecting our industry. Yeah. Specifically it's a, it's software a, as a service. Potentially a looming recession, right? We don't know exactly which way it's going to play. We don't, we don't know, know what's going to happen to interest rates. We don't know what's going to happen to the, the global energy market, but like we, we have to prepare as if that's where we're headed. Yeah, and what we want to do today, and we've been talking about this for a while, is let's just kind of frame up where we are as an industry, as a market, as a category, as a practice, as customer education, and what are the things that we want to talk to our market about on how we can best leverage our field for scale, and how we can also probably tool ourselves up if we find ourselves in a not-so-great place. How about yeah. that? It's a it's a hot topic. It's a timely topic. You and I have both heard from a lot of people who are either searching for jobs or trying to think about how to adapt their customer education programs to uh, the current economic climate. Uh, or yeah, yeah I, I think there's there's a lot of scenarios that we can cover today. But um, you know what we haven't done in a while? A hypothesis. A hypothesis. Do you have a hypothesis, Dave? I do. I actually sat down and thought we haven't done this in a while. Here's the hypothesis I'd, I'd posit for us today. Okay. An economic downturn is the best time to focus on your customer education program. Really? True or not true? 
Yeah. Well, let's find. Is let's it? find out. Well, let's find out because, like, I think there's a lot right. of people. To to your point, who are looking at the current landscape, they're making really deep cuts into their business, and you know the the traditional wisdom was. Uh, customer education is one of those teams. Uh, there's a there's a few functions that always say this about themselves that like customer education is one of the first teams that would get cut in a downturn or when there's layoffs. And we know there's a lot of companies that have been yeah. going through layoffs. But I think interestingly, we've seen pretty mixed results in what happens to the customer education function during layoffs at at, at companies right during the recent rounds that we've seen. So like, what do you what are you seeing, Dave, in, in the market? I, personally, I'm kind of confused about what I see. I see some red lights and I see some green lights. The The red lights I see are those cases where my network, and I won't mention names or companies just to be fair, there are people out there that have found themselves out of a job and often without much information to go off of. It's like you're, we're cutting back and you're gone. Mm-hmm. Well, I was doing a good job, but what, you know, it's very disruptive as it always is. But there's there's that part, and then I'm I, actually the the green light I see is, frankly, from day to day, there are programs and people I work with that are going the other way. That are saying, look, this is the perfect time for us because, well, we don't have a lot of noise going on. We're it's business is slower. Uh, we have a little bit more bandwidth, and even though we've lost some people, let's sit down and think about strategy. And those people are building up their programs. So it's a mixed bag. What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, very similar. A lot of mixed signals uh, in the market. And I think a lot of it, like, I guess what I struggle with, and maybe maybe we'll explore this as we validate our hypothesis, <clears> is that sometimes, let's say you're affected by a layoff. Like, to some extent, you might turn that on yourself and say, hey, you know what, that was mm-hmm. directly uh, correlated to my ability to justify my value to the business or my function's value to the business. And yet, yeah. depending on who gets laid off, which functions get laid off, like it, it doesn't seem universally true that the customer education professionals who are getting laid off are the ones who are purely failing to demonstrate their value. Um, because in many cases, well, I guess, first of all, in many cases, we're seeing layoffs happen and the customer education team doesn't get cut or or gets cut. Yeah. Like, not not too significantly harshly. or yeah, not, not any more harshly say than the business overall. Um, and then I guess in other cases, I don't know, Dave, like are we seeing entire customer education departments getting cut? I haven't seen a whole lot of that. I have. You have. Yes. Okay. So do you mm-hmm. think like, maybe this is interesting to explore, like what do you think is the nexus between when an entire customer education department gets cut versus when the cuts are mild and i promise we'll, we'll we'll stop talking about layoffs in a moment and talk about more positive things but like what do you think the really nexus th- is between like those teams <clears throat> ability to demonstrate their value and to connect to critical business initiatives like is that the driver or is something else going on no frankly and i don't want to scare anybody by saying this but i think that really is the driver where there's an inherent disconnect with leadership's perception about the function where i don't know if you agree with this but this is what i'm i'm seeing seeing i'm sensing that if i'm a leader right and i'm looking at the topology of my company and saying okay i've got this team over here and 
I can't get anything out of that team or that team in particular hasn't bubbled up to the surface and been working across the company is not seen invisible. It's an, it can't be an easy call to say, well, you know, gone. And then you suffer, right? That scares the heck out of me. I wouldn't want to be in that position of not having a program or an educational group. Yeah. But I think it's a, it's a hazardous, it's a, it's probably, um, Misin, misinformed decision or it's one because you here, here's my flip side of that and why I'm saying this Adam is that I feel and I know that it's brutally hard in some environments to, to measure the effectiveness of your educational program mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. it if you, if you are unable to do this you could say two things I've been in this position I need help I can't measure this what can I do well I did everything I could on my own but it's only so much Right. Yeah. If I can't prove some ROI and here's my impact, here's the impact on revenue. I'm a cost center. Guess what? What do you think? I mean, I think I think there's a little bit of nuance to that because, mm-hmm. yeah, like if a business is looking to cut costs, then they will dig into their cost centers. And I think in general, like if, if a business is really thinking about uh, trying to maintain growth during a downturn, then what gets protected? What gets protected is either their uh, profit centers or or revenue centers, right? Because they want to be able to maintain that growth, um, even if it means trimming down on supporting functions, uh, as well as, um, you know, what would be, uh, I guess, perceived as like the core R&D functions, right? Even though R&D functions yeah. might be leaner, during uh, a, a slowdown, right? Because it's more focused on keeping the lights on than out innovating the, the competition. So like customer education is not specifically the exception to that. It's one of many uh, cost centers slash supporting operational functions that, uh, you know, in in a downturn that gets dramatic enough to say, hey, you know what, we're, we're, we're laying off inessential functions, then yeah, customer education might get caught up in that. But at the same time, I don't know if it's like a one-to-one correlation with, and I'm using the word correlation here. Um, I think a little bit not causation. <laughs> yeah, but well, because that, because that's it, right? Like when we talk about teams who are able to measure their impact, um, I think sometimes we get caught up in going a little bit too far in that and say like, if a customer education team cannot definitively prove that they are causing. X, Y, and Z business outcomes uh, or are not directly generating revenue, then those teams are not going to survive. And and yet that's that's not exactly what I'm seeing, um, right? Because there are teams who are measuring their impact, um, but the way that they're doing it is tying their impact to critical business initiatives. And and I'll I'll, I'll give an example of this. Right. Right. Like. Right. Like we talk a lot about efficiency in a business and especially during uh, a recession or uh, during uh, yeah, in general, like a time like this, businesses are looking to do more with less and to become more efficient. And on one hand, if you are running the type of customer education team where you are not really connecting the activity you're doing to driving efficiency in the business, then yeah, it's very likely that you're not, you're either not prioritizing the right things or you're not appropriately uh, drawing the connection between what customer education is doing for the business. And, and, and so this is what 
this is what happens to L&D all the time, right? This is why they say L&D is often one of the, the first, uh, first functions that go. gets cut yeah. during. Yeah, exactly. Because like often L&D is perceived as being this like nice to have, even if we know that, that, that it's not. But I think like a lot of the time L&D is perceived that way because they report on a lot of operational uh, metrics and run a lot of operational initiatives, but are, are typically right. not great at uh, demonstrating what those initiatives are doing to drive overall business outcomes. So... Long story short, what I would say <laughs> is if you are running a customer education team right now, or if you are, let's say, the business sponsor for a customer education team, you're like the customer success leader or the CCO or, or um, you know, ultimately someone who's, who's responsible for this function, your temptation might be to look at customer education and say, hey, you know what, this is, um, this is not a value add, like they're not showing these like causal metrics. How do I know the customer education is truly uh, uh, having an effect on my, on my top line? Well, you might not be able to see it that way, but my, my advice would be to focus your customer education efforts more ruthlessly on driving efficiencies within your business. Because what customer education can do really well that your other ratio-based roles cannot do is actually generate those efficiencies, right? Like customer education, if done correctly, will reduce your customer contact rate so that you mm -hmm. don't need to continue hiring support reps to handle the same ticket volume. It will help uh, increase your ratios for customer-facing roles so that your talented CSMs or account managers or implementation managers can handle larger account portfolios because they're spending less manual time uh, doing everything individually with customers. And so the danger is to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to cut these non-directly non, uh, customer-facing roles because there seems to be less risk or impact. But really what's going to happen is very quickly those roles are going to fail to scale and you might be in a position where you end up needing to make deeper cuts. So like, if you're the business sponsor, really think about what you can do to actually use customer education as a way to drive efficiency levers for your business. And if you are the customer education leader yourself, like I would really start to examine how you can more ruthlessly prioritize the types of initiatives that drive efficiency in your business uh, so that you do get leaner and more, more efficient over time. That's well put, Adam. Thank I, you. That was that was a little bit what, of a rant, I guess. But well, I don't think it was so much of a rant, but it, it it shows to me what you've been learning as in your in your new role, right? Well, it's not new now, but I like how you've drawn through that executive perspective too, and tethered that to what we've always been talking about. That to me, if we if we go further, I say this is a time to double down. Where if you're a leader, you're or whether you're the leader of the team or you're you're an executive, what what was the stat? I think we have the stat that I saw. Sandy Lynn said you found mm -hmm. it. Yeah, uh, well, it was, it was from the uh, the Insight Partners post sales GTM report. Yeah, yeah. The stat was where, where she's. Go ahead. Go ahead and say it. I I don't have it up. Do you have it up? Uh, I believe it was that they what they were seeing was a one to ten ratio between uh, customer education uh, ICs and uh, CSMs. And that was, when we talk about customer education here, we're not talking about like training plus docs plus community, right? Like, like, like uh, let's call it like fat customer education. 
We're talking here about lean okay. customer education, like just like training and instructional design people. One to 10 ratio okay. education to CSM. Hey Dave, my customer education bookshelf is looking a little lonely. Any recommendations? Hey, here's a thought, Adam. Have you checked out Daniel Quick and Barry Kelly's new customer education playbook? Well, I mean, I'm a bit biased here because I'm actually in it, but uh, I think that's a great addition because it lays out the steps to run a customer education program in a super clear, practical way. And it's full of tips from other great leaders who are doing the job every single day. Hey, that's right, and I'm in it too. But seriously, I'm a SaaS book enthusiast, so I'm gonna go out and have Barry and Daniel sign my copy today. <laughs> that's great. And if you want one, head over to thoughtindustries.com playbook to get your copy. That link's in the episode description, so get reading today. Right, and I mean, that's really important. I like to see that metric. I've been, I've actually started to socialize that. So thank you, Sandy, for, for saying that. We'll give you, <laughs> make sure you have attribution where you're, you're saying, okay, well, you're trying to scale the team of post-sales people and to do work, but we know that one of the biggest issues that nascent maturing customer education programs have to combat is this inclination by CSMs and others to train, but then train in consistently and effectively and take their time away from other things they should be doing, namely retaining, renewing, making sure that we avoid churn in the first place. And that's what their job should be. It should not be training. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And so if, if the idea is, <clears throat> you know, we, we need all hands on deck to retain our customers and, and, you know, stop this, uh, leaky bucket. Like the, the question that you still have to ask is, okay, well, customers are still going to have a lot of questions about the product and still need to have yeah. like meaningful ways of finding value with it. And so if you, if you don't have any sort of investment in, uh, scalable content that needs to be maintained over time, then you are putting that all on the backs of your your CSMs and other humans who are working with customers individually to prove that out. And if you're like maybe 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 this is controversial. Like if you have a platform that is so highly configurable and customizable that you need to have that level of touch with your customers and everything is services based, then yeah, maybe maybe having a services based program instead of a scalable program is the way to continue going as long as there's still customer appetite to uh, to pay for those services. But for a lot of uh, products out there, especially uh, a lot of B2B SaaS that we see these days, that's not really the case. It's There's still a, no. a pretty strong core of, uh, like let's say a core path to product adoption. And, and ultimately then product adoption is predictive of retention. Yeah, you know one of the things that I found really interesting now in my new role, is that I see a, a large sea of customers. I'm talking with a lot of mm -hmm. customers and I'm going deep with them. And the fantastic thing that I'm, I'm learning from that is pretty universally, once we, it, I'm working with very technical platforms, extremely complicated content. But then even those people say, yeah, we're not scaling this. We're not, do, we have to hold people's hands. We have to do all this stuff. If I could only have an on-demand portion for some of this content and offload that so that when I do talk with my customers, I'm focused on what matters, the questions, the deeper dive stuff, and you're taking all that off. So that scale play motion, this is why Nick Meta, he, he, he talked at connect recently, uh, and he was on our, our show too, talks about education be the core of customer success. We, we are like those scale plays where you should always be keeping them in motion and let me throw another stat out. When I was at one of my former roles, 
I felt like a lot of this stuff was coming then. And like you did, we put and we invested time into an on-demand university or academy. We spent a lot of time strategy. We didn't just cobble it together. We did it intent with intention. And I saw something like a 200 plus percent increase in utilization of that. And what's important is that I didn't push that. People found it, used it more and more. And then that was my play for scale. Yeah. Because if I, I can't have trainers, I can't, I, like I lost all this other part of my team. I'm down to one, but I have an academy and I can prioritize what I put in it and build. Maybe I outsource some of it, but I keep the lights on and I keep it going and I keep scaling. And that's, yeah. and if you say, well, I, I, I'm just curious about what you think about all that. About customer education as, as a way to, to keep the lights on via scale? Yeah, keep the lights on or even keep the accelerator moving with new content in times where, I mean, now you've got consultants and contractors out in the market in instructional design and training who yeah. are, are available on an, um, a contractual basis where you could say, mm, you know what, I still need to double down and build this content. Now I'm going to use instead of a operational expense, you're talking a CapEx project that you can, you can do number things with numbers and still get work yeah. done. And now, and now you're demonstrating what you've been learning in your role, which is cool. Um, so, <laughs> that's okay. why we did this, right? That's yeah, why I love I, this. That's, that's, why, that's why we made the moves we did. So, did. yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, there, there's a couple of things that come to mind for me when, when you say that. One is that like, when we talk about building uh, the types of, let's say, academy and, and training programs that you're talking about right now, which are... Um, more focused on on driving scale, more content based, say than delivery based, uh, mm. more one to many than than one to one or one to few. That's like if you're not going to be hiring more people this year, then as a business, you still have to answer the fundamental question of how are your customers going to learn how to use your product, and if the answer to that right. is not content, then you have to figure out an alternative to that that doesn't involve you hiring a bunch of people. So that can either be, to your point, um, supplementing with a more, uh, let's say, temporal approach, like engaging a contractor or a services organization to come in and build that content for you. Uh, or it could also mean maintaining an investment in a customer education team, but keeping that team laser focused on following what are the top uh, drivers of the customer contact rate. Uh, what are mm -hmm. the top areas of, uh, say, implementation or the adoption path that customers have in common and thus can be scaled? Um, and then furthermore, making sure that you have a good connection to the distribution channels for the team. Because what I mean by that is like if you're not supplementing yeah. your training with good nurture campaigns or... Um, weaving them into the existing customer touch points and processes that you have, you, you sort of have that, like, if you build it, they won't come situation. Yep. Right. Yep. So like, yep. you kind of need to think like, as long as you have the right content and the right way to get it into the hands of customers, I'm thinking about what you said about utilization, like it will, utilization will increase. And then you should be able to tie that utilization to adoption, but assuming that you don't have the resources to do again, like a full 
causal analysis than like the way you would really look at the impact would be more around being able to maintain or improve your customer ratios among your customer facing teams or your customer contact rate. Like again, that's that's where you would really yeah. Yeah. expect to see the impact and that that should be measurable. Like most teams already measure that sort of thing. And I think in in the absence of being able to do a full causal analysis, uh, being able to do a correlative analysis on the impact that you have there would help. Now, what I would recommend you pair that with is um, having a, a like a either a forecast or uh, some sort of directional prediction about where you want to end up. So you're saying if we make this investment in building this content again, whether that's with an in-house team or through a uh, let's say a content project with a, a contractor, you would expect to say mm-hmm. if we build this right by the end of this, we should expect to see. Uh, the customer contact rate go in this direction and 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 maybe roughly by this much. Well, now what you're doing is now now you have a a, a stake in the ground. You have a, a metric that you're you're moving to and you kind of have a forecast about where you expect to see it end up. And you know what? Often if you're doing it for the first time, that forecast is going to be wrong. Yeah, sure. Right? Because you don't know. You've never done it before. Um, but at the very least, now you have you have something that you can move to and you can learn from, and you can say, "Hey, you know what? We we didn't achieve uh, our forecast because of this. Therefore, we will improve that." Or you you do achieve it, or you overachieve it. Um, and then, <laughs> you, then you set more aggressive targets, or you figure out um, maybe there's another metric now that's that's worth moving. But I, I, I'm taking some inspiration here from uh, your friend and mine, Bill Cashard, who's been on the show before. Um, and yeah. like, I think he talks about this usually more in terms of, uh, setting a revenue forecast, uh, right. And he likes to talk about that instead of the idea of just coming up with your, uh, you know, your hands open and, and asking for budget because it, like, regardless of whether you're directly <sighs> pegging it to revenue generating from an education services program, or rather you're talking about the impact that you're going to have on the business. I find that like being able to tie yourself to a key effect, uh, effect, uh, sorry, efficiency metric in the business does align your programs and give them more purpose in terms of where you're going to spend your time, what content you're going to create and ultimately like what business goal you're, you're moving the needle on. If that makes sense. It all makes sense. And if I were to, to, to like summarize and draw out what we're both saying, it's gosh, a customer education is this opportunity because what it is is strategic function again, that we're using to help change behaviors. Our behavior is we don't, we really don't want to lose customers now, right? We can't afford churn. We can't afford to lose anybody. And we, and we want to help them through a recession because those companies want to have, they want to see that you're using, continuing to use the software because they're going to cut you. So this, it, it's very new. Everything you're, we're saying here is very nuanced, but, and it, it underscores the fact that leadership advanced executive leadership should be attuned to the capabilities that we have yeah and realize wow this is one heck of a scale play for for the company agreed and i think to that to that end you still see um i think forward thinking businesses continuing to invest in scalable customer education Mm -hmm. programs into community uh led engagements for exactly this reason like i I, my very biased prediction (laughs) <laughs> and and I, I will admit it's very biased is that a few years from now, we are going to see an inflection point for the companies that did versus didn't invest in these types of programs uh, 
here in, in 2022 or, or let's say in 2023. The companies that chose to invest in scalable content and into growing their communities and leveraging their communities as a way to build competitive differentiation are going to see those effects on sustained lead generation for those who are using uh, their customer education for marketing programs and for mm -hmm. uh, higher efficiencies uh, for those who are using their customer education programs to uh, protect their bottom lines. Those who do that now will build more scalable and sustainable programs over time. They will differentiate themselves in the market and ultimately they will be able to look back and say, hey, you know what, we made longer term investments even if we didn't have a, a completely like causal uh, yeah. uh, analysis backing that up. Because you know what, like, again, let's let's credit Sandy Lynn for this because uh, I've seen her say this on LinkedIn, like customer education is held to a weird double standard around having to prove causation in a way that very few other teams are. Like marketing in terms of demand gen, they don't have to prove mm -hmm. causation, right? Mm -hmm. They have a funnel. They look at their funnel. They see what works and what doesn't work. They make investments. They experiment. But it's not all rigorous, A-B tested, uh, uh, like they're not doing holdbacks and regression analysis, right? They, they, are, they are measuring their investments through a funnel and they have a portfolio that they're um, measuring impact and, and uh, effort for over time. In customer education, yeah. I see working roughly the same way. You just need to yeah, know. I think what, we're gonna... You just need to know like what those investments <laughs> are pointed to, right? Because if you're doing, uh -huh. if you're if you're doing your customer education portfolio right, you need to know what you're looking at on the other end. So, is that customer contact rate? Is that uh, efficiencies in your customer facing business? Is that uh, something else? Is that driving adoption, like product adoption? Um, the more you know what it is that you're expecting to see, the more then you can look at the impact and effort of each program in your customer education portfolio and make decisions uh, about which ones are having the biggest impact and double down on those. So like when we say double down on customer education, I wouldn't say like just arbitrarily double down on every single program you have. Yeah. But again, like be way more hyper-focused, use the advantage that some of these slowdowns have given you to really sharpen around the programs that you believe are generating that sort of impact for your business. That's fantastic. Absolutely. I feel, I feel like we beat this to death. We've talked around it a few times, but I, I, I truly believe that like in a few years, we're going to be looking back and saying that was the inflection point. I'm optimistic about that. And we've got we've had in this decade really good, really good uh, challenges to our industry. This episode is brought to you by Skilljar. In customer education, we know that trained customers are your best customers, which is why companies turn to Skilljar to drive adoption, retention, and efficiency, support their products, and to build healthier, more profitable organizations and strengthen the power of your brand. You don't say. Well, just look at some of the great companies that use Skilljar to power their own training programs. That's companies like LinkedIn, Cisco, U-Haul, Spotify, and more. They all trust Skilljar to train their customers, partners, or even employees. And I like that it's well-architected with quality connectors and integrations to Salesforce and HubSpot. We both appreciate their amazing partnership from their customer success team. Get your personal demo for Skilljar at skilljar.com. Customer training made easy. Yeah. Um, so I think we have a few other things that we wanted to talk about for we do. Know, especially for those who are kind of either out in the market or or who are just weathering weathering the storm but before we 
before we go on to that, I, I want to do like a quick revisit to our our hypothesis. Like, do we do we at this point believe that an economic downturn is the best time to focus on your customer education program? I feel like yes. <laughs> I feel like we're we're seeing opportunity. I like one of the things that you said. Look, this is a a time and this is a time when you're actually forced to think about it. Would think about the value of your organization and the pieces and the players. It's like an orchestra, right? You have everybody playing. If you cut the sax section, you just don't have horn. <laughs> I mean, why but do you have sax? What in is an the impact? Are you playing rhapsody in blue? Oh, that's right. I, I, that we don't. Saxophones were never in orchestral settings, right? Or at least in my band, they weren't. Um, bad analogy. Um, we don't want to be the sax in an orchestra. Let's 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 put it that way. No, but like I think so. I see what you're saying. And I think at this point, I'm not fully convinced of the hypothesis is written. Maybe, maybe we'll get there by the end of the show. But I guess like the way I would put it is an economic downturn is the second best time to invest in customer education. <laughs> When's the best? Like the, <laughs> not, every day. <laughs> well, no, I mean, no, the, be, the Series best. Series A, seed round. <laughs> I actually think like rather like, so, so let me put two spins on it. One is that the best time to invest in customer education, it's sort of like, well, when was the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago, but the second best time is now. Uh, I think the best mm -hmm. time to invest in customer education would actually be when you have strong resources to invest in it, which during an economic downturn, you're actually not. However, customer education provides you a lever to continue to drive efficient growth in your business during a downturn. Therefore, it's the second best time. The other spin that I might put on that is um, customer education, uh, sorry, an economic downturn might not be the best time to invest in customer education, but it is the proving ground for, uh, like, like I said, it, it's going to be an inflection point for how customer education can help businesses grow through an economic downturn or grow sustainably like might be a way to put Mod it modifying and challenging the hypothesis is a good scientific thing. That's interesting. Um, okay. Like you said, we beat this to death. So let's spin on and talk about with the remaining time we have, and this is a shorter session than we usually have. Let's talk about the felt experience of the people and what you can do if you find yourself on the, you know, leeward end or wayward end of, um, an, a peregrination out of your job. <laughs> right? okay. Yeah. That's a good what, 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 what are we, what are we going to do? Like, if you're out there right now, this is something that, that bothers me. I see in the market and actually a couple of us were talking about this the other day on, on our Slack channel, that there are some really interesting jobs out there for customer education people. And mm -hmm. We have, and I know I've talked on Working Out Loud and other stuff about how there's, it, it's interesting times. I've seen some title inflation happening with customer education roles. So right now I see some senior director roles out there. Um, occasionally we see VP roles, like when you have. Um, how do we, like now I'm out, I'm out, maybe I was a manager, maybe I was an IC. Now I see all these roles. What can I do to start targeting myself to be able to get into these roles what can i learn you, you know what i mean yeah um i mean i guess by saying where do you like, start what are you doing well by saying title inflation though are you are you implying that say like those senior director roles out there like 
you could be qualified for them if you were previously a manager or like a senior IC and like the, it's just the titles are inflated and not the scope? Or are you asking more like customer education in general is starting to get more senior in the organization? And based on my experience, what do I do to get one of those more senior roles? Just want to clarify the question. There's a little both in there. Where, but I think the latter of what you said, what can I do? I want to be that. I want to go there. How can I get there? How can I know I'm qualified for that? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's more where I'm going with it. What are the things that I should be filling in my portfolio with, my experience portfolio, such that I could say, okay, well, I was a manager. I see this job now. I would say a slight PSA in here that industry, if you're putting those roles out there in those positions, I would encourage you to put head of, kind of like Sarah E. Brown says in her recent Lead Upward book, to uh, to cast a wider net. It doesn't mean that that title isn't appropriate, but you may not find many of us in this market who actually have that on-paper experience to do that role at that level. But beyond that... Yeah, yeah, no, it, it depends. If you're, yeah, if you're the one opening the customer education role, giving yourself a little bit of flexibility to, to different experience levels versus, say, like aptitude or potential is important because exactly to your point, like you might be searching for a very long time depending on the level of seniority that you're, you're trying to attract. And especially if you're also looking right. for that um, seniority level within, uh, let's say, like a certain flavor of customer education, right? There's a lot of senior people who come from the education services world and have driven uh, like education P&Ls or education services teams. But if you're looking for someone who's not from the education services world, who is also senior, might be a little harder. Um, there's just fewer people who have uh, that level of experience uh, or that level of seniority uh, building, uh, what do we call it, like more like new school, uh, non-revenue, uh, well, not non-revenue centric, like non services centric customer education and that's a better way to put it it's not necessarily focused on ser services for services sake yeah because right? like they still generate revenue a lot of customer education too yeah yeah so anyway like like yeah you're right that's worth looking at and then if you're the candidate uh, yeah it's definitely worth like investing in your your skill set right like i think like having a, a focus on how how to apply and structure let's say practical instructional design because we know there's a lot of instructional design theory out there but how do you really apply that to solve uh business problems uh so that requires two things one that requires um learning more about instructional design but two it requires uh kind of interpreting it through a lens of what can i do to actually drive uh customer performance objectives mm -hmm. and like as far as i know there's not that many books or courses out there that do a great job tying those two concepts together, but like, but it can be done. It can be done. Uh, what else, Dave, what, what other investments could you make? <clears throat> I, I think general education is always a good idea. When you mentioned instructional design review techniques, you know, go back and think about adult. If, if these are the tools that you're missing in your deck, like the formality of education, formalism, pedagogy, all that kind of stuff. Like, I could go and study those things, but equally there's other skills. What, what I always think about in as what, what I'm actually advocating to our market of people is that customer education leaders and practitioners all require a broad spectrum of capabilities and and skills, right? You could be one day doing a video the next day presenting a, uh, at your executive 
you know, meeting on what your team is doing. Those are, you know, different kinds of skill sets. So being able to diversify those skills and present, okay, if I, if I'm going for a leadership role, I can demonstrate these important key soft skills. I've taken some coursework on them. I've done a little project management work so that I know I'm not going to get a project manager. I can keep my projects on track. Um, those kinds of things I think are critical to refresh in those times, because as you come back into a role, you could say, look, now I've done this. I got a certification. I got a credential. You're, you're retooling. to a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think maybe to your point from earlier, certainly building those skill sets is, is important, but at the same time as well, like it's probably important to be realistic about the match between what you're looking for and what the company is looking for, because, um, you know, like, like, like to some extent you, you're not going to be able to like convince an executive who's looking for someone with a certain amount of experience. If you don't actually have that level of experience that like this other thing you did is, is equivalent. So I don't know. I just, I think it's, it's important to, to be realistic as well about like applying for roles that are more commensurate with the, the level of experience that you have. Um, Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like essentially, I guess what I'm saying is like, if you've been an individual contributor for your entire career, like probably like making the jump to a senior director role, um, like, like if you're in serious contention for that, like, first of all, congratulations. Um, but like often <laughs> the, the, the hidden trap behind that is maybe that senior director role is actually just an inflated title. Um, or like expectations maybe could be misset around what you're actually uh, supposed to be doing in that role. So I think it's like worth investigating if you are really trying to make uh, like a jump in terms of what you're looking for next, uh, be clear eyed about um, a, like, like, like how close your skills and experiences are to what the person is expecting or what the, like the hiring company is expecting and be like, what are they really expecting? Like when you get into that role, are you going to be yeah, set up for success? Yeah. You know, I like that. I like that. Okay. All right. You want to talk we, briefly? We are, ra- yeah. We got to wrap up. Let's um, wrap it up. the The only other things that I would say, if I were to do a quick enumeration, yeah, find ways to give back. If if you're out in the market and, and you have a, a part uh, an expertise area in customer ed, write a blog, write an article, Work talk out to us, come on the show, working out loud. Yeah, just get out there, show your skills, do some networking. If you are in a company that and you've, you're surviving this economic turndown, go, going back to what we said earlier, find ways to sit down and prove your value. Maybe this is a good time to, to build, rebuild or revise your walking around deck so that mm-hmm. you can network with other, other people in the team. What's a walking network around deck? with Dave? others. Walking around deck is my pitch deck where I can pull up at any time and talk to anybody about our program, what we're doing, what our goals are, what our charter is, what our mission is, where we're going in the next year, two years, yeah. five you years. Nev- you years, never know whatever. where you might find someone who gets really excited about what you're doing or, or wants an opportunity to, nope. to part. But then yeah. you go, oh, let me show you. And so all of that is, it, it's, it's your time to think about, like, don't panic. There, I'm still seeing a lot of jobs out there. I'm just, we're just seeing a great remix of everything. And it's not necessarily a complete end of the world or a really bad thing, but we're just trying to give you some tips and pointers to think about how, how important you all are to this industry and to the market itself. Stay resilient. Customer education will survive and thrive. Yep. We agree. All right. So 
uh, I think with that said, ending on a hopeful note, if you want to learn more, uh, we have a podcast website at customer.education where you can find show notes, other material, resources, all that great stuff. And please, if you found value in this podcast, please share it with your friends and your network. Speaking of uh, networking, uh, to help us find the others. Uh, Dave, we're on LinkedIn. People can find us. We have a C-Lab page on LinkedIn that you can subscribe to. Yep. We have we have all that stuff. We're out in the on our Slack channel. If you don't know what that is, just shout at us and we'll get you connected. Um, all right. Well, once again, many thanks to our friend Alan Coda, who does an amazing job presenting our music for this show. Now we have some new stuff in there. That's been great. Um, and hey, we're getting to the end of the year here. We're going to be doing our end of year episode pretty soon. Get out there. If you've really found help, found this helps you, please, please, please go to your podcatcher of choice, whether it's Apple or Spotify or what have you. Leave us a five-star review. I can't tell you how much that helps. Truly is the gift that keeps on giving. Indeed. (laughs) And to our audience, thanks again for joining us. Go out and educate, experiment, and find your people. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody.